from the studios of my kitchen table. We're back once again. Welcome to How You Play the Game, the official podcast of the Osip Foundation. Yours truly, Jack, for along with you. Thank you very much for joining us as we talk to you about what's going on as far as the world of sportsmanship is concerned. This is the second episode of December 2017, and uh, it's been a great run so far, and we hope that uh, 2018 is going to be even better. Um, Joining us today in the second chair in a uh, repeat of performance is uh, our co or our, our chairperson and our producer engineer mr sean ryan sean hello great to be back happy to have you here thanks for being here everything good everything's good in the hood that's hey that's better than being good outside the hood is that is that better i i don't know i've never been good with hoods i don't wear a lot of hoods i mean i've been outside of a hood uh-huh um and i've been great before so you would think putting them together I guess, I guess it's okay. Hey, listen, as long as it doesn't follow the formula that Jim Gaffigan uses for fruitcake, because you would think it would be good, but it's terrible. Fruit, good. Uh-huh. Cake, great. Fruitcake, nasty garbage. Hmm. Well, you know, you're going to have to pay him a lot of money because you... I just keep using you, his stuff. Hey, using listen, his jokes. Listen, I had a conversation with him once on MySpace. Remember MySpace? <laughs> what? Okay. This was years really? ago. Yes. Years ago, I had a conversation with him. And I said to him, listen, not for nothing, but I use your jokes to try and help me get women. And he said, you can use it all you want as long as you tell them it's mine. I said, fine. Okay. Okay. That's the agreement in writing. Exactly. I'd, have. I'd have to go back into MySpace, <laughs> into my messages to find it. But uh, so what is this like 2003, 2002? Oh, God. I'm going to go with 1786. Gotcha. That's probably how old it is. Okay. All right. Anyway. Yeah, anyway. Lots to get to today. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, quickly, before we get to the main topic today, which is going to be the Eli Manning situation, which has been in the news for the last uh, two weeks or so, um, let's, uh, we'll do our This Fortnite in Sportsmanship segment. Should we do a jingle for this? Should we like sing our own jingle? Um, we, I'll write. I'll write. You'll write something. Okay. Yeah, I'll, 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 I'll write. All right. I'm going to do my own now. Ready? Oh. This Fortnite in sportsmanship, and that's it. You like that? Okay. Okay. I, I I have the melody in my head. I'll just have to transcribe it, and then I'll and then, uh, arrange it for um, you know, uh, and I'll brass I'll, band. Or yeah, something. I'll sing it too. So, <laughs> how about? Funny how I leave that part out. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Uh, the, the, the one thing I wanted to get to in this fortnight in sportsmanship before we talk about Eli Manning, at the time that we're recording this, um, the, the pieces are in place for the trade of Giancarlo Stanton from the Marlins to the Yankees. Just talking about that earlier. And, uh, there's a, I mean, obviously a couple of things have to, um, fall into place perfectly. He has to pass his physical and then he has to waive his no trade clause. And we're assuming that both of those things are going to happen and then that, this is going to, you know, this is all a formality. But at the time that we're recording this, obviously, it's not a 100% done deal, but it's basically as close to it as it can possibly be. The reason I bring this up is because as I'm scrolling through Twitter within the last 24 hours trying to, you know, obviously find everything out about this, because this started to break a little bit late Friday night. And then when I woke up on Saturday, it was it picked up even more steam. And by mm-hmm. lunchtime, it was, you know, anything and everything that was being talked about. Right. I couldn't go to church yesterday without both the priest and one of the ushers talking to me about it. I mean, that's how hot it was. Yeah. Um, 
But as I'm going through Twitter, the amount of hate that is being spewed as a result of this trade uh, is something that I, w- I thought I wanted to address real quick. Um, I understand that it's, there, there's, there, there, there's a little bit of, of uh, negativity based upon the fact that the Yankees, with their reputation, uh, acquiring such a big superstar such as Stanton seems to fit their bill a little bit as trying to buy championships. Um, and I'm saying this as a Yankee fan, okay? So you can make the argument that I'm biased. I can't really refute it. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the past, when George Steinbrenner was alive, he obviously did have something of this reputation. Like I look to most of the 2000s as being the prime examples of when they would try and buy championships, and it just did not work. Mm-hmm. Um, in this situation, however... Well, if I might interrupt, how far back are we going? Like, I mean, are we going back... Because with all the championships they've won... You, let's put it this way. Because in the 1920s, for example, there were only, like, what, 10 teams? Right, well, look at it this so, way. Like, let's, take it, let's take it in the George Steinbrenner era, okay. because that's obviously when a lot of this took a ton of... Uh, uh, you know, picked up steam and whatnot. Okay. Um, you know, throughout the 1980s and into the 90s, obviously there was there was an element of this, not to the same degree that it was later on, but then when they started to win championships in the late 90s, uh, that team was the antithesis of it in that, you know, their their core players were homegrown. The free agents that they signed were not these uh, major stars, but rather these role players like Atino Martinez, uh, a Scott Brocious. You know, I think Paul O'Neill really was the only one that had, you know, any type of monstrous impact from the standpoint of of, of legacy mm-hmm. in the in the in the free agent world, just based on the fact that they won't issue his number twenty one anymore, but it's not retired. You know that's that you know, and then and then you get into the two thousands and they tried it again, and it just you know with the additions of a Jason Giambi and a Gary Sheffield and whatnot, you know, you, it just goes to show you that you it wasn't going to work, and. In 2009, you could definitely make the argument that maybe they did buy that championship. Prior to that season, they signed CC Sabathia, mm-hmm. AJ Burnett, Mark Teixeira. Right. Okay. But they haven't won since. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's just that the the point I'm trying to make here is that it's it's fair to cast that blanket statement that maybe it, it looks bad on the surface, but we need to be able to take this stuff in context. And in this context, I don't want to look at the Yankees as the villain here, okay? Uh, if you want to, to, to pick a villain, okay, you could choose Stanton as your villain. You could choose uh, Derek Jeter and his ownership group as the villain. Mm-hmm. And you could even choose the old Marlins ownership group of Jeffrey Luria as the villain if you wanted. Um, they're the ones that signed him to this deal that was absolutely ridiculous. Uh, you know, Jeter is the and his group is the one that obviously wanted to dump the salary. Stanton is the one who had the full no trade clause and all the power and got to determine where he wanted to go. But mm-hmm. the Yankees were not in on Stanton until the very, very end. Okay? It wasn't until the list leaked of the four teams that Stanton said he would go to, and the Yankees were on that list, that the Yankees really jumped in and said, Okay, let's do this. And by was that more of a pride thing? Would you say? 
on whose part? The Yankees? On the Yankees? I don't think it was a pride thing. It was the Yankees have been trying to get under this luxury tax threshold this year. Okay. And they're very, very comfortable with the, with the, the players that they have. Mm-hmm. When you have Aaron Judge in right field... And but pl- do you see where I, I could potentially I, be coming from? I understand where you're like coming from. Like once it gets from. leaked out to the news and, oh, okay, now we have to follow I, you, follow you, through. You could definitely say that. But at the same time, let me make the counter argument. Mm-hmm. The Yankees said, look, if he's on the list, we're in a win-win situation here. Mm-hmm. Let's call the Marlins and say, listen, you want to talk business? We'll talk business. But any acquisition of him has to be on our terms. Mm-hmm. They knew they had all the power. And that's essentially what happened is they said, look, we'll give you... Starlin Castro, because we know we have Gliber Torres coming up, mm-hmm. uh, and two low-level prospects, which they which they got. You give us Stanton, and uh, the way it worked is they'll also get thirty million dollars if Stanton does not, if Stanton opts out or does not opt out, does not opt out after the twenty twenty season from his contract. And the reason, the way that that was all structured, was that they get Stanton. They only give up Starlin Castro. They've never given up any of their major top prospects here. And they still remain in a very powerful position underneath their luxury tax threshold. Hmm. They, 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 I mean, you can't vilify them here. And to, to throw a different light on it, let's, let's compare Stanton's situation here, this soap opera with Giancarlo Stanton. Let's compare it to LeBron James. And what he went through with his decision mm-hmm. to go to Miami right. many moons ago. Right. Okay. You you obviously have situations where the players have a certain level of power, which is something that they have fought for in their respective unions over the course of the 20th century. And 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 good for them for having it and for uh, utilizing it in a, in in a capitalistic marketplace. To, to leverage what to, you know, earnings that they feel they deserve based upon, you know, what, what their input is, the longevity of their career, uh, and what the market will dictate. What LeBron did was this whole soap opera and, you know, of, of you know, the, the decision and whatnot and, you know, all, leaving his hometown. And, like, I, I feel like he had... He was the complete free agent. He got to, to make all the decisions here. There was no back and forth. And on top of that, he also created a super team in doing so. Everything was on him, okay? And I don't begrudge a man for wanting to take his talents anywhere based upon money, okay? Every player is allowed to do what they want in order to try and make as much money as they can. They have a very short window for their career, mm-hmm. hence Robinson Cano going to Seattle, right. okay? But there were there were a lot of different factors involved with the, the the Stanton thing. He was under contract. He had a full no trade clause. There were there were a lot of different players here, in or in 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 the soap opera. Not players in the sense of players, but players in this drama. Parties, exactly. If you will. Yeah. So I guess the message I'm trying to say here is that be careful who you vilify and how you vilify them in the sports world. Some situations, it's easier than others to see that greed and, and selfishness play a bigger role than, than they should. Mm-hmm. But in this situation, it's a lot different, I think. I, I, I'm not going to argue that, you know, that the Yankees 
didn't get better and lucked out and whatnot, and you know, every, all, their entire backstory makes this look worse than it than it is, etc. But be very careful how you hate on teams and how you hate players based upon all of these different scenarios. Well, the old adage, hate is such a strong word. Exactly. You know, uh, <clears throat> you can apply it to, you could apply it to anything. Like, oh, you could say something like, well, I hate, I hate fish or I hate, I hate, um, you know, a certain type of food. Right. But, but when you apply it to, and that has different degrees of. How do you think the fish feels? Right. You know? Being dead and all. Exactly. Or especially if they serve it with the eye still on there. Yeah. You know, that is. That's, he's basically, and again, here's Jim Gaffigan. He's basically looking at you going, you don't mind if I watch while you eat my body, do you? <laughs> don't be distracted if a little tear comes out. Just tell yourself it's butter. But what? <laughs> but, but what I'm saying, well, what I'm saying is that. You know, you, you shouldn't throw that word around. Right. You know, when it applies to people or organizations. But back to your point regarding the players, um, with with regard to how much clout they have, mm-hmm. you know, in determining the ebb and flow of of a decision uh, decision making, it certainly is true because they're the ones that are on TV. Right. They're the ones that the media are going to report on. You're not really going to, you, you know... You know, you'll see a snapshot of the owners maybe once in a while, mm-hmm. right? But it all falls back on the players. Right. They're the ones that are playing the game. They're and in they're, the spotlight. They're yeah. the ones that are in on and off the field, like we had mentioned uh, in the very beginning. So you're exa- exa- exactly right that they, they can dictate the ebb and flow of, the, um, of a decision-making right. process. So, uh, but again, back to the hate thing. Yeah, we should be careful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially those who are in a position that are, you know, people that are broadcasting, people in the media, like we had discussed uh, last time. Yep. Um, you know, you you the pressure is on you to make the right call regarding uh, reporting on sports and uh, from any point of view. Right. And you you can't just say. You can't interject your opinions to the point where you're saying you're hating someone. Right. Yeah. Um, even if you're a pundit of some sort, you know you, you don't want to use that term loosely. Right. You can say I can't stand that guy. Right. But to say I hate that guy, mm-hmm. I hate that team, etc. That's like saying you're less of a person. You're less of an entity than me. Right. And and as I keep preaching, like when we talk about players and their unions and things like that, we're all in this game together. Right. You know, this game of life. And it's, you know, going back to your point about the the whole contract thing, you know, it's not the situation so much as how you react to it. Right. So um, I forget who said it, but it, life is 90, 90, uh, 10% the situation and 90% how you react to it. Yeah. And uh, this is a perfect example of that. When you're vilifying people unnecessarily, first, without knowing all the facts. Right. And two... Uh, even if you do know the facts, you should know better. Yeah. Then, then not to put yourself in that position. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, my two cents. I appreciate on that. it. Yeah. So, so that's this fortnight in sportsmanship. Great. Here's we'll come jing- up. We'll come up with a jingle. Here it is again. This fortnight in sportsmanship, and that's it. Great. I uh, hearken back to the days of uh, Craig Ferguson on the Late Late Show when instead of playing the sometimes the jingles that they would have for their their tweet mail segment. Instead, they just, you want to do our own jingle, Jeff? And so they would bring out the, the harmonicas, and they would just go, tweets and emails. 
and that's it, you know. Hey, it's got to be simple. Yeah. And if it's an earworm, you've got yourself a hit. Speaking of the comedians, uh, I once saw them do that with Stephen Wright, the, the, the dry comedian who was helping out on that segment. Oh, the okay. one who goes, I used spot remover on my dog. Now I can't find him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if Dracula can't see his reflection, how does he always have such good hair? Huh. You know, that's the kind of, that's, those, those are the times of th- things that he used. <laughs> so anyway, so he's sitting on the couch next to them as they're doing this, and they, they all start going, tweets and emails. Then he goes, tweets and emails, we're all going to die. What? <laughs> <laughs> it's just went, whoa. That got dark. That really escalated quick. quickly, yeah. you know? Wow. I mean, that really got out of hand. Wow. Bricky should probably lay low for a while. <laughs> oh, uh, anyway. Um, let's, let's talk about what, what our main topic is today. Sure. And that's the Eli Manning situation yeah. with the New York football giants. Mm-hmm. Uh, in case you're unaware, here's what happened. Here's a brief summary. The giants are terrible this year. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. they're, they're, they're just God awful. Mm-hmm. After making the playoffs last year, uh, people thought they could contend for a Super Bowl this year and they did the exact opposite. Uh, they've had a ton of injuries. They've had a ton of bad losses and it, it, it was just absolutely horrendous. Um, what ended up happening a couple of weeks ago was uh, there was a big firestorm because the then head coach, Ben McAdoo, came out and said, we are going to bench Eli Manning, our starting quarterback, and start our backup quarterback, Geno Smith, as part of a process to see what our backup quarterbacks on this roster have so that we can evaluate talent moving forward. So he figured since the season was over anyway, right. just to make that change. Right. Now, the reason that this is such a, a problem really is because, well, first of all, before we get to the, the empirical data, Eli Manning has basically become a god in this town uh, from the standpoint of playing football. He has won two Super Bowls with the Giants mm-hmm. in a very close proximity of years. He is the nicest guy, okay? He, he never has a bad thing to say. He's never had a bad report about him other than maybe that one memorabilia thing that I think was overblown and I think was uh, just someone trying to... Oh, yeah. Remember what, that? What was that? I what? think what happened was it was someone trying to earn a buck off of him. I think. Okay. I, I don't remember it exactly, and that's probably that's my fault. So for was he not the having, victim in that? I think he was. Okay. I could be wrong, and if and if I am wrong, please contact the show to let us know so that we can correct that. We'd love to hear from We'd you. We'd love to hear from you. Remember, the email is podcast at osipfoundation.org, facebook.com slash osipfoundation, or Twitter at osipfoundation, which with the hashtag how you play the game. Great. We'd love to have you. We want participation. Please contact the show. So anyway, Eli Manning's... The, this just just this perfect guy, okay? He also has a streak going of 200 and some consecutive games started, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, and that streak is on the line now because they're going to bench him. Now, the original plan was to say to him, we want you to start, but then we're going to bench you in the second half of these games to see what these other guys have. And Eli said no. That tarnishes my streak. It's not, I would rather the streak end now with the, uh, with the integrity intact than to just do this cosmetic thing to keep the streak going, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and he was very professional about it. 
you know, he, he, he just said, look, it's all about the team winning. Okay. That's, that's his, that was his main goal. Mm -hmm. And the way that it was phrased from McAdoo got it so far out of hand that this became a bigger and bigger problem. Um, you know, he basically was framing it in a way that was signing his death sentence with the Giants, so to speak, saying that, you know, Manning's not going to be back with us next year, et cetera, all this, wow. all this stuff. Okay. It was really bad. So he painted a pretty morbid he, picture. <laughs> yes. And then, and then the, the owner, John Mara came out later <laughs> trying to pick up the pieces. It was done kind of in a, in a ho-hum way where he tried to salvage what he could, you know, it's up to interpretation how it was salvaged. They played the ga the one game out in Oakland against the Raiders where Manning did not play and Geno Smith played the whole game. Um, and immediately after that, the next day, uh, Ben McAdoo and the general manager, Jerry Reese, were fired. Uh, Steve Spagnolo, who is the defensive coordinator, was made the interim head coach. Mm -hmm. And they announced that Eli Manning would be starting again. So the whole thing was much ado about nothing. It was a, it was just an utter utter disaster, and you know it's just it's I, I don't know what other words to use to describe it other than it was just a series of unfortunate events basically, yeah. um, you know and who knows where they go from here, but you know we just we 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 recently watched just the first drive mm -hmm. of of the game where he started again against the Cowboys, his reception was very warm. Um, you know, it was a, it was a very good drive. They ended up getting a field goal to tie the game, um, and uh, you know, you just you, you you get the sense, especially from the fan outpouring when this whole thing happened, that you know the fans were very perturbed by this. So the reason that we're bringing all of this up is because we want to discuss the sportsmanship, not only of how Eli handled it so professionally, and 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 basically what's go, what what they probably should have done from the purposes of. Uh, looking at you know how to run this team uh, when you're when the team's not going anywhere, but also to kind of relate and extrapolate off of this to different times in our lives when you know jobs were taken away from us unfairly and how you know how we react and what's okay to feel, what's okay to do, what's not okay to feel, what's not okay to do, and to to offer some solace to those who might be going through similar or who have gone through similar types of situations that uh that cause that you know that that, that that you know are similar to this basically um you know i'll start by saying that it starts by saying how you talk to people you know if if they if the giants came out and said at the very beginning of this look we're not going anywhere we're in last place in the division we have no shot of moving forward. Um, we want to protect Eli because our offensive line has been horrendous, uh, and he's going to get killed out there if we keep running him out. Running him out there. Uh, we want to protect him in the in the remainder of the season so that he can be our quarterback in years to come. You know, going forward. Now, all of a sudden, you've painted a picture that say, says we care about this guy. We want this guy to be part of our future but we also want to protect him. So that's why we're going to sit him down. And if, and here's the other thing too. If you phrase that to him that way, maybe he says, you know what? I'll, I'd be willing to start to keep the streak alive. You know? I mean, I, mean, I, I doubt right. he would, but 
you again, it could have steered the conversation in a different direction. You you yeah. you paint it in a way that, be, that makes it become about how much you care about him, mm-hmm. and and that makes everyone feel better, and ultimately maybe gets your message across. And then the side effect is, you know what? This also gives us a chance to examine who we have in the backup positions, and maybe we need to, you know, we we can go forward with them, or we need someone new, right? You know. We, you and I both see this in so many different areas where it just comes down to how you talk to people. Well, I think what we should be do. I think what we should do is examine the role that sportsmanship plays uh, from from the perspective of the players, uh, from from the fans, mm-hmm. and from the coaches regarding this incident. Okay. Um, so I guess. We should start with the where the decision where you know the decision coming down from the top. We should start with the coaches. Okay. So uh, when McAdoo made this decision, what do you think was? I know we sort of covered it already, but from a coach's perspective, um, what what would you think the reason be that he made the decision? I think that McAdoo made the decision. Um, maybe for what he thought was the right reason, but went about it in such a poor way. Because you can certainly make the argument that Eli Manning is in his late 30s. You don't know how many more years you have with him. Let's face reality. The streak is going to end one day. Mm -hmm. He's not going to be able to play the position anymore. We're going to have to replace him. So your motivation is true. But again... How you go about sending that message, especially with the media in such a large market, mm-hmm. one false step can be the end of your career here, which clearly is what happened. Right. Um, Pretty swiftly. Yeah. Listen, coaches have to make some very tough decisions sometimes um, in, in any sort of sport. You know, you have, you know, depending upon the parameters of what you're doing, you, you, ha- you know, you just have to, you got to make tough decisions. Um, sometimes you gotta, you have to put people on the bench who deserve to be playing. Um, sometimes you have to discipline people for, you know, for reasons that you don't want to, but you have to, I mean, the list goes on. But could you make the argument that McAdoo perhaps made this tough decision unnecessarily? You could make that argument. You could certainly make that argument. Um, like why stir the pot? Yeah. Why, why fix something that isn't broken? You could certainly make that argument. Um, this is the type of a situation where, where had he not made this decision, no one would have batted an eye. That's right. that, that's how important this is. Is that he probably should have looked at this and said, "Geez, why should I? Why am I making something out of nothing?" Mm-hmm. You know, um, it just it, the, the foreshadowing is there though because there was an article I was I was researching this for for this podcast, and when when uh, the Giants drafted Davis Webb who is their third-string quarterback this year. Uh, Manning came out and said, when, they at, when the media asked him, he says, I'm looking forward to working with him. I'm looking forward to teaching him. You know, Manning takes a lot of pride in the camaraderie of the, the, the relationships that he has with his teammates, especially when it comes to imparting wisdom on younger players. So McAdoo was then asked shortly thereafter, it was about May at this point of this year, what he thought about what Manning said, because it was a very, very positive message. And McAdoo said, uh, Manning needs to focus on winning us games, not on mentoring 
a young quarterback. And it's, again... What? Yeah, it's, it's, it's like, why do you even bother saying something so ridiculous? At the, very, at the worst, you can take Manning aside behind closed doors and say, listen, whatever you do, your primary goal is to win us games. Mentoring comes second to winning. You can do that behind, you know, within... As private. questionable as that Exactly. Is. I'm, and let's play the role of the defense attorney here, <laughs> casting doubt upon, you know, innocent until proven guilty upon a reasonable doubt. As questionable as that is, you can do that and it can never reach the public. Right. Okay? To do that through the media is just such an immature way of looking at athletics, even professional athletics. So... I think it's pretty clear that that's a really interesting. Well, I just I think it's pretty clear that 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 Ben McAdoo was is not head coaching material for anybody based I mean, upon this. Of all people, your coach should view someone of you know like a, a, a captain status, you know, someone who would have a captain status, which Eli clearly does. does. He's the leader of this right. team, and you know, uh, being a quarterback and all. And in in part, you know, imparting wisdom uh, with with your teammate to your teammates should be a positive quality. You would think that a coach would admire. This is supposed perhaps. to be, yeah. This is supposed to be uh, <laughs> you know? your your ally, right? You know, and as a coach, your job is to motivate them and put them in the best possible position to win. You know, not you know. Again, sometimes you have to make tough decisions. I get that. I've been there. You, at time, it should never be at the at the cost of alienating people unnecessarily. And if you mentor someone correctly, and if you're doing your, if you th- if you say your primary goal is winning, that doesn't come without mentoring and helping. It's others. not mutually exclusive, right? Yeah. So if you do that, if you do that stuff correctly, the wins will be there. Uh huh. I and agree. I, you know, so that's ridiculous. I agree. I that agree. That he would say that. So then, on the next side of it, let's mm-hmm. talk about the player. Sure. Okay. Eli Manning handled this like a like a professional, like like a gentleman and a scholar. Um he 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 did nothing wrong. He, you know, did what he had had to do in order to put the team first. Um the 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 only comment I will have about it is, you know, as we begin to extrapolate this type of a scenario from the professional level to other levels or other areas in life, what obviously cannot be ignored is that a professional athlete, especially someone of Eli's status, is making a large sum of money here. Right. So it's a prob- it's probably a little easier for someone like Eli to say, okay, look, I know I don't like this. It's, it's not what I want, but I'm getting paid significantly. I have enough money so that me, my family, and generations of my family to come are financially set for the the entirety of their lives. Mm-hmm. Although money doesn't solve your problems, sometimes it can be a little bit of a of a pillow to to lay back on. Right. You know, um, people who go through this at amateur levels, however, don't have that. You know. Right. Uh, if you're <clears throat> if you're benched on the high school team unf- unfairly. You don't have that money to to go back to and say, "Well, at least I have all this money," you know. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, that's all I have to say about Eli. 
you know, I, I, and that's trying to approach it from both angles and saying, I mean, from what I've read, he really handled this well. He's well, he's Eli right. Manning. You know, you know, he is he is the toast of the town. Right. He is he is the Derek Jeter of the New York Football Giants. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just I just don't think that the man can do any wrong right now. Mm-hmm. You know, and people may may complain about him or have complained about him throughout his career because of his oh gee golly type of looks and you know the way he plays football and the way he acts trust me all of not only giants fans but the nfl and their fans will miss him when he finally retires yeah i i guarantee it so finally let's look at the fans i just pulled up a a little bit of an article so let's see what you got um some twitter reactions Mm -hmm. Um, from from fans, various fans, uh, and from other players, yeah, actually. The, the players were just as livid as the fans. Um, so I'm looking for one. I saw one earlier, and I just... Oh, I lost it. Hold on. Are you talking about the tweet or your, your mental capacity? Both. Okay. Welcome to my world. Um, and I didn't even have the tweet. Phil Sims. Okay. Two-time Who, according uh, to Sean Goff... As an inside joke, uh-huh. we'll nuke your house for free. Okay? That's an inside joke between me and Sean. Great. No one else will get that. But I wanted to get that on the record. Okay. Okay? Some go bad in the microwave? Uh, it's... All right. You'll have to tell me I'll about have to, it later. I'll tell you off air. Please okay. continue. Okay. So, Phil Sims says, at Eli Manning, can stand tall and proud and will for the rest of his life for all he has been, for all he has been to the at Giants Fans will never forget him. Amen. You know, that's coming from a two-time uh, Super Bowl champion with the same team. The same team, yeah. just like you know. So it's um, it seems like Eli Manning has good company. I would agree. Um, so you've you've got that's one example. Um, NFL players show support for... Oh, I think these are just the players, actually. Okay. But Well, let me throw this one at you. I don't know mm-hmm. if you heard about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, players... Or not players. Uh, some fans actually bought uh, some, some advertising space on the billboards off of, I believe it was the New Jersey Turnpike around East Rutherford, where, the, where MetLife Stadium mm-hmm. is. And the ads all said... Things to the to the the uh, the nature of big blue, shame on you. Really? Yeah. So, wow. And and they have the right to do that because they're fans. They didn't say anything that was uh, outrageous. You know, they they didn't they weren't gifted this space. They paid for it. Mm-hmm. Um, as fans, you're allowed to react that way. You know. And, you know, they didn't say things like, hey, Big Blue, I'm going to kill you in your sleep or anything like that. It was just shame on you for doing for for upsetting us this way. And I think that leads into an important part of this is as we talk about, regardless of who what part you might play. um, Let's talk about the emotions that you can feel as a result of this. I think it's completely natural for people to feel. Uh, disappointment, sadness, um, frustration, anger, mm-hmm. grief. You know, it, 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 it is akin, although not directly related, but very much so 
similar to, you know, the trauma of loss in mm -hmm. one's life. Um, you know, people who lose a loved one, I think, probably experience something similar, although not to, not to the degree, not to the degree <laughs> but the, the emotions, I think, are the same from a certain degree because this has been such an integral part of your life. You know, fans only know there's a there's a group of fans who only know Eli Manning as the Giants quarterback. Right. And and, and don't know anyone else. Mm -hmm. So to have that ripped away is like ripping your heart out. It's like ripping your fandom out, you know? So, you know, I had a very similar experience when I saw uh, Derek Jeter's last game. I, I think that's a very, very great you know, example. I, a part of my childhood, and I'll never forget it, a part of my childhood felt like it was going away. I agree with you 110%. You know, and then when he gets that single. To win the game. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's. I was, I was crying you, like a you baby. Can't, you can't come up with a better ending no. than that. No, no. So I could see definitely where fans are coming from. Yep. Um, it's when you hold a player, uh, uh, you know, and a team with, with such high regard where something like that um, can affect you. The difference here, though, however, with <clears throat> Eli Manning is that outside forces sort of played a, more of a role. Rather than voluntarily than hanging right. it up. Yeah. So... The 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 reactions are understandable from a lot of fans, and the situation becomes a lot more questionable right. as a result. You know what it would be like to me? It would be like uh, again, not to make it so so grave like like the loss of a loved one, but um, the Derek Jeter situation is like. Um, you know, a, an elderly loved one who you know whose time is is coming to an end, mm -hmm. and the Eli Manning situation is like a young person who was killed for no reason. Right. You know. Again. Or 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 he was older and forced to go to a nursing home. Yeah. Exactly. Without you know. Yeah. It wasn't his decision. Right. You know? Thirty-seven year olds in nursing homes. I can't tell you how how often this happens. <laughs> you know. I mean, I'm I'm heading there after we're done with this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, you got a one-way ticket. You got a one-way ticket. I would. I think it's more of a, um, shall we say, a boarding pass. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. I have no idea what the heck that means, but so let's let's take this to the next step. Let's try mm -hmm. and let's try and make it even more relatable. Okay. Let's let's come up with some examples that are not very incriminating for us, mm -hmm. but of how the how the the layperson might also experience this because I think that with Eli Manning with, or just a situation similar, just a situation similar, okay. you know, something, you know, that, that someone like someone like you or me might mm -hmm. experience a similar situation mm -hmm. that, that causes a similar type reaction and, and discuss how to, how to handle that. Um, I got, I got a perfect situation. You know, when I was in, I think it was middle school, late middle school, I was in the school band. Okay. And uh, um, you know, for those of you who don't know, Jack and I are both musicians by trade. Which is why I live with my mother for the rest of my life. Continue. Um, so uh, I was in middle school. I'm a sax player. And uh, I was first chair um, in the jazz ensemble. 
and um, eighth grade rolls around and uh, seventh grader um, beats me out for first chair. Were you first chair in seventh grade first? And yes. Then, okay. Yeah. So then I, you know, I was ex- sort of expecting being the eighth grader, mm-hmm. being the cream of the crop to uh, be, you know, first chair again. Okay. Even after, we, we auditioned. Right. And, um, and this kid beat me out uh, and he became first chair, just squeaked, squeaked by. And um, you know, my band director told me and I was just like, huh. Okay, well, I can't say that I'm not disappointed, right? Right. And, you know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, again, it, it this all boils back to the 10% of it being the situation, 90% how you react to it. Right. And um, I took in the situation and I was upset at first, but then I realized, you know, there's probably a reason right. for this. You know, he's pretty good, so we'll give him the, you know... I'm just happy to be a part of the group. Okay. You know? So I was upset about it, but then I realized there's a silver lining to this. Mm-hmm. I'm still part of the group. I'm still making music. I don't have to be first chair. Right. And that sort of changed me a little bit because now, you know, I apply that to every other musical group I'm in and that I direct that, you know, it's not so much about if you where you sit matters more than than making music, then you're doing it for the wrong reason. Right. So it kind of puts things into perspective that mm-hmm. way. So I guess that's a similar, sort of a similar situation where you're sort of like, oh man, like you're a little heartbroken. Oh, absolutely. But, and then you, but then you realize, then you look at, you get a lay of the land. Right. And you look at the forest for the trees and you say, oh, you know what? It's not so bad. And you know what? To offer some, some commentary on that, first of all, that's amazing that you can do that because I can't say that at my maturity level then had I would I would I be able to oh, do that. Don't don't get me wrong. Yeah. I was pissed. Yeah. And at first, yeah. okay. For a couple of days I was like, Are you kidding me? Yeah. No, but I get then it. I but then I realized, all right, you know, we're all playing here. Right. I would here's so here's here are a couple of other ways that I, I would offer some thoughts on that. First of all, look at it in context this way. It's middle school versus high school, mm-hmm. you know? The story that I'll tell, it's a little different because it is high school, but, you know, at least in middle school, I feel like that's a good time to, for lack of a better term, send that message to really work hard, you know, because if if you get beaten out like that, you're still going to high school the next year. Your childhood's not over. Mm-hmm. You still have plenty of opportunities to, to, to be better moving forward. Right. When you get towards the end of high school, I think you have to put that into perspective a little bit because I do think that there's a large amount of kids who aren't going to be doing this much more. You mm-hmm. know, So you want to try and reward them. You want to try and give them every opportunity to succeed. In you know, fact, to piggyback on what you're saying, right. in high school, I always sat second chair Okay, uh, for most of it uh, in the jazz band and in um, concert band and wind ensemble. Okay. And that didn't bother me. Uh-huh. I was just happy to be a part of right. the group. And the, the guy that sat first chair wound up not going into music. Right. And so, you, yeah. you know, so that's it. It's, and I find that to be the situation a lot. Yeah. And... Not that there's, you know, not that there, I don't think there's a problem with that really, because it's, it's not so much about, again, it's not so much about where you sit. It's the situation. It's what you get out of it. Yeah. 
you know, making, you know, realizing that second chair is just as important as first. Agreed. You're providing harmonies. Mm-hmm. You're supporting the melody, just like teammates. Yeah. To to a quarterback like yeah. Eli Manning, and this is that's his philosophy on it too. Right. Everyone is just equally as important. So again, you can. There's a lot of tie-ins you can make with the music world with regards to sportsmanship. There, they. I was saying this to myself the other day. They are so unequivocally the same in so many regards that you. I mean, you can. Music is almost a, a, an athletic competition in itself. Mm-hmm. You know the the amount of physical dexterity that's involved, uh, and the way that we do create competition within it. Oh, is yeah. You know, it, it's insane. Mm-hmm. So, so healthy it is, and unhealthy yes, at times. Absolutely. Um, you see, some of these music students are vicious. Yeah. I mean, backhandedly, I've seen plenty of auditions, county auditions, region, all state band auditions, right. where kids would. I mean, would try to sabotage right. other, someone else's audition. Right. And so the it's third point. Oh, I agree. The <laughs> third point I wanted to make about, about your story as well, this is something that I picked up on when I was a college professor, and I implemented it. I implemented it once. And to me, I'm, I'm, I, I thought to myself, why didn't I do this sooner? Because this makes all the difference in the world. I was holding auditions for the jazz ensemble and I had one girl come in and she was really nervous and her audition really didn't go that well. And I ended up, I was, I was basically staffing two ensembles. I had, a, I had the primary one and then I had a secondary one. So, and I ended was up, one like outside of major, like, yeah, like one was, one was the jazz ensemble that you would get academic credit. You know, and the other one was part of the 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 pep band. I see. And there was no academic credit for that okay. one. Okay. Uh, it was almost like a lab band mm-hmm. to, to to the main band. Oh, they're fun. They are. They absolutely are. They got to and let me tell you, when they got to perform at basketball games during halftime, mm-hmm. I mean, I would even play with them sometimes. Oh my god, it was so much fun. Yeah. I think I think I almost I, I had just as much fun doing that as I did any other ensemble. Great. Um so anyway, this girl comes in for an audition. And she's really nervous. And I end up putting her on like second tenor in the lab band. Mm-hmm. So that's like, that's really like low on the totem pole. Mm-hmm. Okay. And she's, she's like a utility player. Like she, she didn't really care alto or tenor, but that's how much, you know, like it's not like she was stuck with just one or the other. Hey, she, she, listen, that's real life, man. That is. That's like, you know, absolutely becoming is. a specialist utility yeah. player. Yes. All yes, of it us is. do that. <laughs> So, so she emails me and she's really disappointed and she's like, you know, is there anything I can do to, you know, I, I really feel like I can do this, blah, 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 blah. And I thought to myself, I said, you know what? All right, here's what I'm going to do. I said, I, I empathize with nerves and how auditions work and whatnot. I'll tell you what I'll do. If you really think you had that bad of an audition, come in for another one. I will gladly give you the time of it for it. And, and, wow. and I said, I said, I, I said, I, you know, listen, we all have bad auditions and I don't think that one audition necessarily can give you the best cross section of how a person can do. Mm-hmm. So I said, and that's why I was like, you know what, if you, if you really had a bad audition, I, I get it. Come in for another one. I will gladly give it to you. And if, and, and I said, and, and, and if you prove to me that it was just a bad audition, I will reconsider. I absolutely will. But if not, 
you know, you have to you have to go with what I say. Right. You know, that's the compromise here. Is that mm-hmm. you? You. I mean, if I really feel like this is where you belong, you, you have to accept that. But otherwise, if if I was wrong, and I certainly could be, I will I will make amends. And she thought about it, and she said, "You know what? I think you made the right decision. I think I'll just stay where I am and be part of this really? ensemble here, because I think you 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 proved to me that I need to." make advancements in my in my music and other places and whatnot and i said you know what great and if at any point you feel like you have improved and want to try and get into the other band before you know next year when we do auditions again you you just send me an email because because i i I wanted to be inclusive Mm -hmm. but i wanted to be fair a lot of people you know? are also doing recorded auditions, yeah. which I think are great. I agree. Because it end in person. So yes. you can get you know the best of both worlds. Right. See how they can prepare something mm-hmm. ahead of time. Yeah. Um, because you're right. Right. You cannot judge someone's musical ability on five to ten minutes. Agreed. You know, Agreed. Because you know, they may not have never met you before. Yep. They never played in front of you before. So it's a lot, there's a lot of intervening right. variables that go behind that. So that's good what you did. I think that's, that, that shows that you, that you get it. Oh, I get, get it. it from a, from, from a professional standpoint, right. but you know, we were all in that position mm-hmm. at some point. Yep. So Yeah. That's that's a great story. Since we're since we're being since this is clearly therapy now, yeah. I will reciprocate with my story. Okay, all right. And this is one that still haunts me to this day, because right. because I felt I, I, I felt very much betrayed by it. I've had <clears throat> I can't tell you how many times I've had a situation like this where I felt like something was taken away from me unfairly. Maybe that goes to the nice guys finish last idea i don't know but it's just it it, it it this is just one example okay of where an outside force um took something away from me like this and i and i had to deal with it and there's you know th- th- i think this just goes to the moral of the story is going to be that these wounds don't always heal the way you think they should either and that's okay as well it's better to be upfront with them and to um, examine them and to struggle with them than it is to suppress them. And if you ever relapse with it, it's better to to struggle through it than it is to say, no, I'm not going through that again. Mm-hmm. So you know how you said you were the only one or you were the one who was still in music, whereas the first chair guy was not? Uh-huh. Okay. The, 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 the epilogue to this story is that I'm the only one out of my graduating class from high school that is still playing baseball. Hmm. Okay. And I'm 34 and I'm still playing in an adult league. Hmm. Okay. And everyone else on my team is in their twenties and there are, there are people older than me in this league. I mean, there's a, mm-hmm. there's a 63 year old side arming right hander really up in, up in your neck of the woods. So, oh. yeah. So, well, you know, it's, it's doable, but from, from Bergen County or no, from, from, from like uh, Monmouth junction, Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, where yeah. I live now. Okay. Yeah. Oh, now, so, now everyone knows where I live. Exactly. So <laughs> send your letters to Sean's house and uh, you can go there and stalk him. Great. So um, I'll be ready. <laughs> this is this is either turning into the the climax of Home Alone or the climax of Skyfall, which Ooh, basically I hope it's not Skyfall. I was going to say basically it's the exact same thing, except in one of them 
Judy Dench didn't make it out alive. Spoiler alert. Afterwards. Mm -hmm. And the other is... And the other is Skyfall. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't remember seeing Judy Dench in Home Alone. That would have been pretty awesome, actually. That would have been hilarious if Judy Dench was hiding with Kevin McAllister in that giant house. As, you know, I'd watch it. I, I think I probably that, would would be, that would be amazing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so anyway. <laughs> so, so I'm playing high school baseball. Mm-hmm. Lots of tough times going through high school baseball. A lot of issues with hazing. A lot of issues with bullying. Let's just say I paid my dues, okay? I get to my junior year. I finally make the varsity as the backup catcher. And the guy ahead of me is the nephew of a former major leaguer who spent a significant amount of time as the hitting coach for the Trenton Thunder. So, mm-hmm. so it's in his blood. You're okay? right. Right. The kid, the kid actually, and I, and I'm still friends with him today. And he's the he's he he's the, the starting catcher. Okay. And he's he's a senior while I'm a junior. Okay. So I totally get that he's playing ahead of me. Right. Okay. Okay. Uh, in fact, after he graduated, he got he got a couple of professional looks, but he never signed. So and really? he's actually now married to, uh, I guess I would call her my cousin-in-law or my second or third cousin. I forget, but she's my really? cousin through marriage. Yeah. Huh. So it's, it's, a, it's a really weird way, the way, the, the way that things work out. Huh. Interesting. Fan, fantastic people. Okay. So anyway, during that year, I said, you know what? I'm going to work my butt off being his backup. And I went out of my way to do everything to, to show him and to show my coach who was it was his first year as well when I was a junior, how much I meant business. And I actually ended up here's some some of the accolades. I didn't get a lot of playing time that year, and which was fine. But some of the accolades that I ended up getting, um, we have a high school in our in our county who is usually nationally ranked in within their baseball program. Mm-hmm. Um, their coach at the time ended up coming up to me after a game and shook my hand. And this is this was a team that was ranked maybe like 8th nationally at the time mm. and said you you are you're going to be a superstar. Not because necessarily of your ability, but because of what kind of a teammate you are. And that meant a lot to me. Mm. And then at the end of that year, the head coach at our banquet says I don't give out MVP awards, but I will give out a coach's award for the person who I felt made the biggest difference on this team and he gave it to me mm. as a as a backup catcher and I was beyond moved mm. I couldn't believe it and so this coach and I we stayed close throughout that summer and into the beginning of the next year talked a lot on the phone about baseball about things blah 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 we get to the start of the season or, or at least of the tryouts and whatnot we go through everything and uh what ended up happening was I came down with this this horrible, I guess it was like an upper respiratory virus, but this thing knocked me out cold. Mm. Uh, I tried to go through practice one Monday. I couldn't breathe. That's how much pain I was in. Mm. I ended up on the trainer's table just like I can't, I, like I, I couldn't function. I ended up missing school for at least two or three days. Oh, wow. I was, it, was, it was pretty bad. Um, and we had a scrimmage coming up like two days after I, I came back to school. And my coach said, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to handle this? And I said, well, look, if you're preparing stuff ahead of time, you know, rather than kind of writing the lineup out on the fly since it's just a scrimmage, go ahead and start the backup. I don't care. It's a scrimmage. You know, he needs needs just as much work as I do. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, you know, we're each going to play half the game. So start him and I'll get my work in on the back end. And if I'm really not doing well, then he can play the whole game. You know, it's, I, I think that's the safe way to go about it. And he said, right. okay. And that, and that's what I ended up playing the second half of the game. It was fine. Okay. So I think there might've also been other ulterior motives involved. Um, we were planning a trip to Cooperstown with that team. Okay. And I actually ended up electing not to go. Oh, yeah. You told, I, think you, I think you told me about We this. had a band trip the same right. weekend to Williamsburg, Virginia. Okay. And I was like, I was caught in the middle. I was like, I don't want to choose between my two passions mm-hmm. of music and baseball. So I ended up choosing neither. I said, I, I refuse to put one ahead of the other. I don't think that's fair. So I went on neither trip. And I think people were kind of stunned by that. And I also think that there were some parents of some freshmen and maybe sophomores that were in the ear of the coach, like influencing him. Mm -hmm. The coach ended up shortly after like the next scrimmage or two, benching the seniors, including myself, deeming it a rebuilding year. I don't know why. He, he just, he started playing, he played all the younger kids. And, and then some of the seniors who were meant to be role players ended up playing starting positions. It just didn't make any sense to me. Hmm. So I, I spent... Wait, the seniors were playing starting positions? The seniors who were supposed to be playing starting positions were not. Oh, okay. And the seniors yeah, yeah. who were supposed to be like bench players were mm-hmm. now starting, hmm. which was two, maybe three people. You know, let's put it this way. There was a handful of juniors the year before when I was a junior who did not make the varsity team, which is kind of unheard of to a certain degree. Usually it's those those upperclassmen who play varsity and the underclassmen don't. Mm-hmm. Well, those guys who did not make the varsity team were the ones who were playing more. And you kind of looked at them like, if you want to win and you're playing them, like what what is the what's the motivation here? I don't get it. Right. So it was just a really messed up year. And I went through such a range of emotions, disappointment, anger. Um, those, those, those words don't even do it justice. Um, and to a certain degree, it's, it's, it's even tough to, to forgive them now, but you have to. You have to forgive them and move on. If I may ask, how did the other teammates react? They were equally as confused, but... In their cases, what they ended up doing, like each one had a little bit of a different reaction. A handful of them ended up working their way back into the starting lineup for some reason. I don't know, I don't know how they did it. Mm. Another handful of them took to using that opportunity to either just ride the pines and not have an opinion. Some of them even started drinking. Like they took the opportunity to say, well, if this is not, if I'm, if you're not going to take my, my, really? my athletic career, so to speak in quotes, seriously, why should I? And they mm-hmm. started doing, you know, things that, they, that were out of character and going to parties and huh. stuff like that. And one of my good friends who was with me in the same type of, of a scenario here, here's a story within a story. Mm-hmm. Um, so we end up playing our crosstown rival which is Pennington Prep. Okay. Okay. Pennington Prep at the time was not known as a baseball school. I think they were a football school at the time. Okay. Our coach, seeing this as an easy win, decides to start me so that I get a little bit of playing time and 
my very, very good friend, one of my dear best friends who was also in the same boat as me, and he pitched. He pitched a complete game shutout. Mm. And I caught the whole game for him. And we were like so elated. Like what else do we have? I know that the opponent was easy, but what else do we have to do to show that we mean business and that we busted our tails for you? And the long and the short of it is, you know, that guy, that coach ended up not coming back after our, my senior year. He did two years and he was done. Really? Okay. And, uh, you know, and, and I was the only one who then out of my graduating class went to play college baseball, albeit brief, but I walked onto a division one team and I made it Hmm. and I ended up giving it up for music, but I proved to them, I proved to myself that it wasn't just, I couldn't play anymore. It was just a bad situation. Hmm. And and here I am now, still playing baseball. Albeit right. I'm getting older, and my shoulders like to dislocate. Like you know, how is your shoulder? By it's the still way? in there. Okay, I have both of them actually. Still, we gotta take a trip to the driving range. Yeah, again. we do. Yeah, we do. But anyway, yeah, I digress. So the point is that some of these things really can play mind games with you. And I guess I guess the the only thing that I'll say to kind of put it into context is that. When you're in high school, when you're in a situation in an institution where your time is limited, I feel like you, as, as, as a superior, not as a, as a kid, but as a, as, a, as a coach or whomever, you have a responsibility to make sure that your players get the best possible experience. And if that means that you have to sacrifice winning in order to make sure that a kid has a good experience, I think you owe it to them. You owe it to them to do that at the high school level. I think you owe it to them to a certain degree even at the college level. Until you make it to a professional level where money is on the line, I really think that you owe it to the kids who can play to say, I, I got I to gotta give you every opportunity here. And you know what? If they're, you know, in, in like a high school season where it's so short, you don't have time to work your way out of slumps. You don't, you know, if you struggle, you got to stick with the kids. Right. You know, it's just, it's another situation where, again, you can't take it as, as a, as a generalization. You can't, you know, make a blanket statement about it. You have to take each situation as they come. And you have to re- recognize that, especially at the youth level and youth goes all the way up through high school and arguably even into certain levels of college, your, your job is to provide the kids with the best opportunity for them. And as they get older, then maybe, yeah, they're going to start accepting the role player position a little bit more. And this goes back to when I said, if you give kids and players the, the opportunity to be role models and mentors to other teammates, mm-hmm. the wins will be there. I agree. I agree with that 110%. So one affects the other. Yep. Even at a professional level. Mm-hmm. So I think we, we can't forget that. Uh, as And that, that's a pretty important aspect of sportsmanship. I, I don't agree. think we should forget that um, at any level. I agree with you 110%. So. So. Just happy Eli's playing again. Yeah. And I'm not, and I'm not even watching football a lot yeah. this season, but. I guess I, I guess if I had to sum it up, there's going to be a silver lining for people. 
it's not going to be easy to see sometimes because it wasn't easy for me to see in, in my situation in high school mm-hmm. for a long time. Mm-hmm. But but stick with it because you're going to you, karma is there. Yeah, you know. So I guess that's a nice point of repose for today. Sounds good. We I, I can't thank you enough, Sean, again for being here. And, I don't know. You know, we'll be it's doing fine. this a ton more. Sure. So. Uh, what do you think about having a little surprise for the next episode as we kick off the the new year? And oh, I don't know. What's the surprise going to be? Maybe we, maybe we shouldn't in... say anything. Oh man. Okay. We won't say anything. Uh, okay. Okay. It'll just be a surprise. It'll be a surprise. <laughs> okay. But uh, we'll just leave it at that. We'll, we'll figure something out. Exactly. <laughs> well, Sean, thank you. Thank uh, you once again. Uh, thanks to everybody listening. Contact the show podcast at osipfoundation.org, facebook.com slash osipfoundation, Twitter at osipfoundation, hashtag how you play the game. We'll be back with you in January. Give us plenty of stars. Stars, subscriptions, everything. We need it. All right? Everyone take care. Thank you. And treat each other with respect. How You Play the Game is a production of the Osip Foundation, Incorporated. The producer engineer of this episode is Sean Ryan. Music by Soundspring Studio. The executive producer of How You Play the Game is Jack Furlong. For more information, visit osafoundation.org. If you're interested in advertising on How You Play the Game, please email us at podcast at osipfoundation.org.